Hey, hello. As, as, or as we say, we say assalamu alaikum, which actually just means may peace be with you. And it's not necessarily a scary um, phrase. So it means in peace. Welcome. Thank you so much. Because, you know, we always have that th that fear, right? Is anybody going to show up and we're going to be like talking to ourselves, which, by the way, we're perfectly fine doing as well. But it's nice to talk to an audience. So thank you guys for joining us. Yeah, and we'd like to introduce um, on our panel today is Shah Jahan, and he is the host of King of the World podcast. We uh, co-host Mommy One Muslim, but King of the World is brand new, just launched, and I'm halfway through the first episode, but I'm going to let him kind of share. Shah Jahan, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. Hi. Uh, it's long like everybody. This is Shah Jahan. Um, yeah, I'm the host of this uh, pretty awesome new show uh, we just launched a couple of weeks ago. It's kind of like, I guess the best way to describe it is when we were first thinking about it, part of me was like, you know, I don't want to freaking talk about 9-11 anymore. I'm like done. But we've kind of thought about it in the context of like my own personal journey. So I'm, I've been a musician, an actor, a voiceover artist, a person in recovery from addiction. I've just celebrated 10 years sober recently. So we decided to do it in sort of like a... Um, a timeline of the last 20 years sort of a way where each episode kind of follows sort of, you know, more broadly what was happening with me at the time. Like I, I was a senior in high school when 9-11 happened. I was a month away from turning 18. Just what it was like to be, you know, and, and what it was like to suddenly have being Muslim be the most important thing about you. I don't know if that like makes sense to anybody because that, that was kind of my experience. So from there, we kind of track the historical timeline uh, as well, you know, of things that were going on in terms of like events like the war on terror, the war in Iraq and up to surveillance and the travel ban and all sorts of things like that. But along the way, you know, we have a uh, interesting speaker. It's like a narrative style show. So we've got, you know, we talk to like actors and historians and, uh, and like my family's on it and like, I hope uh, that was kind of what you were looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't realize that you were interviewing uh, so many other different people. That's pretty cool. I think, so we were in college when 9-11 happened. Okay. Um, or towards the tail end of it. You know, before we really get into the meat of what we're here and what people want to talk about, I feel like, you know, Shah Jahan, first of all, congratulations, Mubarak, on your 10 years sobriety, because that is freaking amazing thank you and do i want i want to put a clap How, can we do a clap emoji yeah, because i'm doing the i'm doing the hands in the air but the hands in the air because we are super excited about that um and i and you know i wanted to i wanted Uzma because you know we're just kind of talking like we already know each other which i feel like we do but Uzma, why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself to the audience and what you're about yeah so my name is Uzma joffrey Again, for those who joined a little bit later, I'm co-host of Mommy One Muslim Podcast. And as Zeba mentioned, uh, I think it was in the green room. Uh, I am a physician, a mom of four. I'm married. But yeah, you know, as you um, said, Shah Jahan, after 9-11, like your Muslim identity, like totally was how you were defined. And I'm visibly Muslim. I wear the hijab was fine. And then when you have kids, it's like a whole nother animal, right? Because now you are a target of Islamophobic acts and you have little people around you that are, are super vulnerable. Um, so those are um, some of the things that I have to deal with and some of the things that we talk about on our particular podcast. And we know that a lot of Islamophobia is targeted by gender. So women will be, you know, a huge uh, target 
we also know that men have uh, suffered a lot, Muslim men have suffered a lot in America in particular uh, with racial profiling and stuff. So that's why we wanted Shah Jahan on here to kind of talk about, yeah, it sucks that we have to talk about 9-11, but it happens every year. So, you know, until we wipe it off the calendar, it's not going to happen. Uh, so I think your perspective is one that we haven't heard before. And I think I would like to kick it off with that before Zeba and I talk about ours. Like, we'll go with you. And then Cordelia has asked to share her experiences, which I think, given her intersectional identities, is going to be super important and uh, revealing to us. So Shah Jahan, you got the stage. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that like one thing I realized, uh, you know, putting the show, not just putting the show together, but also just like along the lines of the like it or not thing, like basically it is the event that defined the trajectory of my life, whether I wanted it to or not. And that's, that's kind of something that, um, it's sort of a theme throughout the show and, uh, throughout the King of the World uh, podcast. But, you know, as, and you know, you're right that it, on the show also, I was really, really, uh, super honored to talk to some really incredible people. You know, I obviously like being a brown Muslim guy, you know, also traveling with a rock band of other brown dudes, some of whom are Muslim. Um, let's just say we had our own, we have like a whole host of airport travel and whatever stories and kind of the more, one of my bandmates has had some more serious stuff happen, but you know, like one person we talked to was one of the, I, I believe four, it was four days uh, after nine 11. He was down in Texas, actually in Mesquite, Texas, this uh, Bangladeshi American, uh, a Bangladeshi immigrant uh, who's living in America uh, named Bryce Bhuyan was shot in the face by a white supremacist who was on a, killing spree to hunt quote Arabs and he killed two South Asian men and shot uh, rice like point blank. He survived. Uh, he ended up like starting an organization called world without hate and actually campaigned to get his attacker eventually off of death row. They eventually became, you know, he wasn't successful, unfortunately, you know, or, or he wasn't successful, but in doing that. So, I mean, in terms of like, yeah, there's definitely been like um, a lot of stuff that's like, I think early on was directed towards Muslim men. I mean, I think that like, it's not to say that there wasn't like anti, uh, anti-Muslim, anti you know, sentiment in the US pre 9-11. I think that, it, but it was definitely a point in time that um, kind of pushed everything to the max. But yeah, I mean, being a Muslim, you know, thinking about when you're a young person, when you're coming of age, you know, you're already trying to figure out who the hell you are, you know, and for, for me, it was being in a pretty white town, like already feeling kind of like weird and stuff. And then this thing happens. And then for me, you know, on the first episode of the show, I talk about like this thing that happened to me the very next day where these three guys just kind of confronted me and were like, what did your people do? And kind of like that just threw my whole like whatever for a loop and just kind of realizing in different ways that I'd been wrestling with that pretty much my whole life. And then when I interviewed my parents for the show, it turned out stuff that I remembered was, I only remembered a little piece of it. There was this whole other thing that happened, which I had like repressed. And even though I've been through years and years of therapy, it just kind of made me think about like, what are the other ways in which, in which this event, like really kind of like, you know, messed me up. And uh, I don't know if we can swear, but you know, like it, it was- Swear, uh, go for it. <laughs> okay, it fucked me up, you know? And it fucked up a lot of us. Yeah, I don't want to like hog the whole, the thing here, but that's kind of like where I 
Yes, thanks for sharing that. We'll turn it over a little bit for a little bit to Cordelia if you want to unmute yourself and share your experiences, kind of explain how you identify yourself. You know, maybe share an experience to let us know how 9-11 initially affected you. And then we can maybe talk about the next 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Salaam alaikum. Thank you for having me on your panel today. So I am actually a Black revert to Islam who was married to a Bangladeshi immigrant. I am recently divorced. I'm also an author of seven books and I'm an emotional wellness coach. So I, I was actually working on 9-11 and that particular day, that, that was actually two months after I had reverted to Islam. So on 9-11, everything was cool. Like, uh, you know, people, we were all just um, Americans who may have had families that, you know, family members that worked at the Pentagon or lived in New York or something like this. But on September 12th, it was juicy, right? So <laughs> my office was on the ninth floor and I actually live in Washington, D.C. So no one wanted to get on the elevator with me. And so, as you know, in Islam, right, um, smiling is a charity. So I chose to smile, right, because that's the best way to connect with somebody else's heart. And if uh, someone, I, I decided within myself, if they choose not to smile back, then they've got to be a completely miserable individual, right? And it, as it happens, the story I'd like to share is of a woman who she actually says, don't get on the elevator with me. You know, you're wearing that blanket on your head. And so I smiled at her and I said, good morning. How's your day going? And I just really looked her in her eyes. And so she couldn't keep eye contact. She had to lower her eyes. And, and she said, actually, I'm having a crappy day. You know, I just found out my husband's cheating on me. And, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have said that. That was quite rude of me. Thank you for sharing that. That had to have been really hard the day after. I think, you know, Shah Jahan talked earlier about repressed memories. I think I probably repressed everything that happened that first week. I know the day of, I went ahead from work in the morning to campus and because uh, I had classes most of the girls that were visibly Muslim had left campus. There was like a mass exodus the day, that day because they were all afraid of being attacked. And these were people who like, you know, had their own cars. I used to take public transportation or a carpool. So I was going to like ride the bus home. Uh, I think my parents ended up saying like having somebody bring me home because they were like, no, we don't want you to ride the bus. But I was like, you know, I still believed at the time if there's one bad person there's going to be 10 good ones. You know, if somebody tries to attack me, there's going to be 10 people that are going to step up. That's what I thought. And what we know in the last two decades is when you see something, say something only applies to Muslims, like at the airport or anywhere else, you know, Muslims make everybody else uncomfortable. But when somebody is suffering any kind of a hate act, rarely does anybody intervene. You know, even when we see all of these videos that are coming out of people um, being berated for like speaking another language other than English in a public space. Nobody really intervenes, you know, when all of these people last year were being attacked. That's why Black Lives Matter like got so inflamed. It's because nobody intervened in these situations to save, in a lot of these cases, the victims 
of the people. So, I mean, that same thing has happened to Muslims in this prolonged 20 years. And that's what, that's kind of the impetus behind why we want to talk about this, because we would love to put feelers out there and recruit more allies for Muslims because, you know, yeah, 9-11, this is kind of the 20th remembrance, but every year it stokes this trauma. And again, I can't remember a lot of that first week because I think not that anybody came out directly and, you know, said that this is your fault, because again, I kind of moved in very privileged spaces and the work that I do, people don't care what I believe or what I wear on my head or don't wear on my head when, you know, their life is in my hands. Has it happened outside of work? Oh, that's a whole different situation. Sure. But Zeba, I know that yours was a little, actually a lot more involved and had a lot of repercussions for your family. So why don't you share that with the audience? Hello, everybody. My name is Zeba Hassan. I am, um, I always say I'm a certified spiritual parent coach that specializes in, I, I, I specialize in cross-generational and cultural trauma. Um, I have a mother of four, 18, 16, 11, nine, and my husband and I have been married for 22 years. The funny thing is the day, uh, the day before September 11th, I actually was coming home from um, a cruise in Alaska. Our flight got delayed because of weather. And the funny thing is, and I remember this, Alaska is known for their fishing knives. And I was in the Alaska airport and there were signs that essentially said, please put your knives because there were these special like fillet knives in your carry-on bag. And I remember even at that time thinking it was quite unusual, but I was like, whatever, dude, like it's, it is what it is. But in that, and I'm only sharing this part of the story because my husband was supposed to be in New York um, for a meeting. He's an attorney um, the next, and he was going to be in the financial district, but because our flight coming in from Alaska was delayed, he pushed his flight to later on during the day. Um, And I went to work. I, um, it was my first job out of college and I walked in and I had a cell phone, but not many people did at that time. And I am still, I'm dating myself. And all of a sudden I hear all of this information. Like I was in the heart of the city of Chicago. Everyone's like panicking. And I saw on the news that this happened in New York. And honestly, at that point, I thought my husband was already there. So from that perspective, the not knowing where he was, obviously the lines were crazed and all of that kind of stuff. And finally, by God's grace, got through. He told me his secretary pushed him to another time. So he wasn't there. And we we essentially had to walk from the city of Chicago because trains, everything was um, shut. They were shut down because nobody knew what was going to happen next. And you know, it really was a defining moment for us as a family because I'm a biracial American Muslim. I am not visibly Muslim. And most people don't think that I'm Muslim until I tell them. So people can usually speak a lot more freely in front of me. So I hear a lot of what people are thinking because I think they feel like I either share their viewpoints or what have you. So we went on the circuit um, because we were always a part of like 
you know, media and um, trying to break down inner inner faith uh, issues. And so we were the natural, my husband and myself, post 9-11 to be like the token Muslim couple that goes on and talks about all these things. And, you know, I, because we're quote unquote normal Muslims, right? Even though we are actually the majority, not this minority that happened to do um, this horrific thing. And he actually, you know, we can't really talk about the case, but ultimately he actually was fired for doing some of this, um, st this, this work in our community uh, because people didn't like that he was talking about this. And um, it, it really did change the whole way that we had interacted with the world publicly because we actually were, um, ostracized for speaking out one we were speaking out against this horrible act and uh and it's funny because my son was born shortly afterwards and his entire life has been as a american muslim male has been like he he's and I'm, I'm only going to share this just because I happened to see it on the printer and he's he's getting ready for college. And I and I, he, I pulled it out of the printer and I literally started sobbing because his first line was. I'm sorry. I have grown up in the shadow of the fallen towers. And we lived in a very privileged situation. And I never knew he felt this way. And, you know, he's one of these people that, you know, he's captain of the basketball team, he's a superstar athlete, voted homecoming king, prompt, all this nonsensical stuff. He's living the quote unquote American life and he still feels burdened by this event that happened before he was born. And that was part of the impetus for us Azma and myself starting the Mommy Wall Muslim podcast because we really wanted to share our experiences as American Muslim mothers raising that next generation of native born Americans. That entire life is dictated by an event that had nothing to do with anything. And so, you know, I, I'm very happy that we're having this conversation because it stinks. We've done, it's 20 years later. Now I want to ask everybody on the panel and in the audience, now what? What are we going to do? How are we going to build those bridges? Why are we still having these conversations? Because I want to make the this world a better place for not only my children, but your children, because at the end of the day, isn't that what we as Americans are really about? I, I totally resonate with everything you said, Zeba, and I, I could tell you stories. You know, my, my I have uh, six children. My oldest is 21. She's in the Navy. My second oldest, uh, 19, male, and he has really suffered a lot. My youngest three are 7, 11, and 14, and I've been homeschooling actually for 17 years. And so because of the divorce this past year, we were married for 20 years, they had to go to public school and they brought home a, a homework assignment about how are they going to honor the heroes of September 11th. And I said, you know what, your whole family is full of heroes because we brought 
love and kindness and humanity to people and people learned about Islam, the real Islam through us. That's what I encourage communities to do is to go to, you know, to create some kind of peaceful event for your local community and whatever peace looks like for you. That's something you can do at an organizational level or, you know, like I said, within a school or anywhere. I can appreciate that, Cordelia. Um, I know that in my community, we have a 9-11 food drive and it's an interfaith food drive where everybody kind of just wants to take this really heavy day and make something positive come out of it. And it's really spearheaded by an Islamic organization. 9-11 is a really popular time for teachers to have us come out and speak. And a couple of years ago, I was requested for a whole day. So it's like eight periods of talking, uh, sitting through first a 9-11 video, which I did not realize how much trauma I carried for so long um, over 15 years, watching that all over again and watching or uh, hearing the language that was still very Islamophobic being taught in public schools. And I had to do that eight times. I had to see that damn video eight times and still get up and speak about Islam. But you've opened the classroom with this video and now I'm supposed to come and do PR. So that's what all of these other events to kind of quote unquote make up for 9-11. It feels like we're trying to make up for 9-11. And I am vehemently opposed to that because I'm sick and tired of apologizing for something that had nothing to do with my religion, that had nothing to do with me. And to Zeba's point, our children are still paying for it. It's not fair. And I'm not apologizing anymore for anything that's not done, I totally get your point. And I appreciate that. And I, and I appreciate that we should be bringing something positive out of it, but I do not feel any responsibility to do that because I don't need to make anybody else feel better about, about it when they have not thought about making me feel better for the last 20 years. In fact, vilifying me, vilifying my people, my family, and all of that. Stephanie, you have come up to the stage because you requested to speak. Please share. I'm having a hard time not being emotional because... <clears throat> I'm just so sorry that we suck so bad in this country. I'm so sorry that your kids have to go through what they go through. I, sorry, I thought I was ready to speak. And, I, and I'm, I am not here to have you comfort me. Let me assure you of that. I no, came on stage. I came on stage to say, I'm grateful for your transparency and honesty. And to answer your question, the way that we're going to get out of this and we're going to get through this new empowerment of white supremacy, the empowerment of people who hold hate in their heart is by these conversations. It shouldn't, the onus shouldn't actually be on you. The onus should be on people like me. I wasn't born white because I chose it as you were not born into your skin color or faith because you chose it. But as a white woman, I hold deep responsibility for the way that you have all been treated. And as I get my shit together, I promise I'm going to get my shit together. <clears throat> it is why I joined the Lincoln Project and fought for a year and a half. Um, lost friends, got doxxed on social media. My kids had an impact at school for it, and they didn't even care because... I look at everyone here on this stage as my sister and brother 
We are all together in this life. And I just wanted to say to all of you, I am sorry. You do not owe anyone an apology. It is not your apology to make. This nation owes you an apology. So I just want you to know that I see all of you. I weep with all of you. But I'm also here to do something about it. So thank you so much for this conversation. I'm sorry I got so emotional. Ooh, I just I thank it. you for talking. <laughs> Thanks I appreciate for it. Thanks for the support. And I'm so sorry that we made you cry. That wasn't our intention. No, 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 no. It's not, it's not, it's not a bad cry. It's an emotional cry. It's an emotional, but I think it's positive. Look, if we... I'm scared that we don't feel enough in this country right now. I'm scared we have people walking around with what seems to be just hate in their heart that don't get moved by these conversations. So again, no apologies. I'm here to say hello. I'm here to say I'm so happy to see you here. And I am appreciative of this conversation. So keep going. I am an ally. I'll continue to be an ally. And we're going to make this world better for you and your kids if it's the last thing we do. <laughs> so thank, thank you. you. Thank you for that. That's really why um, we podcast because we need, you know, A, it's a really cool medium to reach those busy moms that are stuck in the carpool lane. Um, but also all the non-Muslim busy moms who are, you know, tuning into our podcast. That was our biggest audience initially was non-Muslim women <laughs> and evangelical men funnily enough. And, you know, we put it out there like, okay, well, if you guys are here, then we're recruiting you to be allies because if you see something, then say something. If my child or a child that looks like mine is attacked out in the street or hurt in the classroom, you're going to step in for him and you're going to prevent that from happening or you're going to protect her. And that's really my hope in the future. You're damn straight I am. <laughs> you're damn straight I am. <laughs> so there thank you again. Kids. I'll put myself... I'll put myself back in the audience, but thank you. Um, thank you all so much. I'm just, I'm really happy to see you here. So thank you so much. Thanks, Stephanie. Um, Shah Jahan, any thoughts before we give the mic to Victoria? Because you've been quiet for a bit and yeah, we want to give uh, the men the mic. We usually don't do that on our podcast. So this cool. is we don't cool need any more mics. <laughs> 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 no, thank you everybody uh, uh, for, for everything that you've said so far. Um, I just was going to say, I mean, we're doing it literally right now this is it you know we just basically we don't uh, one thing i learned touring with my uh, band uh was when you look to um i don't want to just say like the white media but i hope you get what i mean when i say that uh like they're not going to tell the story for us so we have to like tell it ourselves that's kind of what we're like doing right now. So this is exactly what we should be doing. Yeah. And for those who joined late, like if you want a really good storytelling, um, then Shah Jahan is the host of King of the World podcast, which just launched this week, I believe. And congratulations to him. So if you want, like we're just realizing um, in the last two months, because we did a couple of series on Muslims and entertainment and we just finished up Muslims in the news and um, how there is, has been an agenda and has the agenda set, has the policy created the PR about Muslims or did the PR of Muslims create the policy? It's like a chicken and the egg, which is really, really interesting. And so I think the way around it is conversations like this and stories like this, sharing the stories so that we can humanize ourselves again, because it feels so sterile out in the world, as Stephanie was alluding to. We just need a lot more kindness because somewhere in the last 20 years, 
We lost the art of uh, debate and negotiation, intelligent conver- conversation, and you know, facts, like simple fact checking doesn't happen anymore. So I'm glad that we're all here and talking about it, recognizing it and giving it a name. So as Zeba says, what do you say Zeba, name it to tame it? So I appreciate everybody being here and participating and sharing this room and inviting more people to it because this is how change is going to happen. Victoria has asked to participate on the stage. Welcome, Victoria. Please share your thoughts with us. Hello. It's it's really a pleasure to meet you. I um I I was compelled to come in, and I've been trying not to because I wanted to focus on work. But the more I kept seeing the title of your show, I just knew I needed to hop in for a little bit. And and I'm so glad I did because. One of the things that I, I love, I love, um, I don't remember, I don't know the person who said it, um, it was as I was coming in, who said that you are everyone who does something good for humanity is a hero. And I love when it was mentioned that you, you know, that people in your own, and this is one of the things that I talk about a lot, look at the heroes in your own family. And I love that the statement that was made that we have heroes right here in our family because we did one thing and then we did another thing and we did another thing. And the reason why I stress that a lot in in my work is because the United States of America, and I say this all the time, and this is is this this means a lot to me to share this here, has always been a multicultural, multiracial multilinguistic country from the day of its inception. And I know that there are, that there is a emphasis on the European Americans in this country, but it has never solely been a European American country. And I love that more stories are coming out and, but I do feel more importantly, that the United States is never is not one race or over another. It is really a contract that with each generation we strive and are committed to be a more perfect union. And that's what we have to look at and that's how we have to raise each other up, raise our voices up, not based on these issues that try and shame us from who we, where we come from, but to celebrate where we come from because every culture in this country has given something that all of us benefits from. So for example, like um, I think it's the country of Morocco was the first country to acknowledge the United States as a sovereign nation after the War of Independence. And so I'm, I'm thrilled to hear your stories and to learn about your stories and, and for all of us to raise our voices up and celebrate, not be shamed for who we are, not be shamed for where we come from, not be shamed, but to celebrate that each and every one of us gives a contribution to this country when we focus on uplifting people, when we focus on our common humanity, because one thing that we have in this country is called the Charters of Freedom. 
And that is what binds us together to be better than we were before. So I'm, I'm just grateful I came in. I'm, I'm grateful for giving me the opportunity to share this. Because Thank you, because I, I certainly would want to um, be a part of your, your world and learning more about your heroes and all of your wonderful contributions. Thank you so much. Thank you for those thoughts, Victoria. I really appreciate it. Um, and I, I think it was Cordelia who mentioned that we have so many heroes in our own families and, you know, just having, you know, survived 9-11 like our fellow Americans and then ha walking around with targets essentially on our backs for the last 20 years. I feel I feel like a Shiro. That was a great share. And, and I wanted to also thank Stephanie for what she shared. And that is part of why um, I do the work that I do as the emotions opener the power of our emotions and leaning into that because that's what allows us to be human and connect with other hearts. Thanks, Cordelia. So I don't know. I want to ask the folks on the stage here. Does anybody have any real visceral, visceral reactions to 9-11? Like even when I see the numbers, 9-1-1, and this happens every I can't tell you how many times it's happened in the last 20 years. I looked down on my phone and it's exactly 9-11 a.m. or 9-11 p.m. And my heart drops. So it's almost like the same kind of heart drop that we have every time there's any kind of attack anywhere where we're just kind of collectively holding our breath, hoping that it's not a Muslim that's implicated in any way, shape or form. Does anybody else have that kind of pit drop? I would say, yeah. I mean, I actually, I talked about it in, um, in episode one of, of my show and, and it's kind of, uh, like while I can't, I think, and like you were saying that you, the, that week is blurry for you. Um, but what I do remember is, you know, so I was in calculus class and, um, I just remember when, uh, one of the students, uh, a fellow student of mine just kind of came in and the, and I remember the way she was saying, uh, oh my God, over and over again. And then from there, and I feel like that's kind of what is, uh, what's triggered for me every time I think of it. And I actually wanted to relate to Cordelia as well, that you told a story about an elevator and actually my, so I had cousins uh, and an aunt that were here from, um, from Pakistan. And, and I didn't know until I interviewed them for the show that they actually were supposed to be in New York uh, that morning. Uh, it was going to be their first trip ever. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because I guess when they left, uh, when they were leaving to fly home from Logan airport here in Boston, which is where, you know, uh, one of the, the planes, uh, unfortunately came from, uh, and was hijacked. Like, so my aunt, my Khala, uh, as we call her, Umbra Khala, she, she like refused to not wear, uh, shalvar kameez, uh, you know, essentially like Pakistani clothes uh, or I shouldn't just say Pakistani clothes, but while like my cousins were like really freaked out to like dress that way and be visibly Muslim. And what happened is when they got to Logan airport, they like, and my cousin literally told the story on my show. So that's kind of why I wanted to just, just mention that she, she said, yeah, we walked into the elevator and everybody just walked right off. But yeah, I absolutely have, you know, and I, yeah, I definitely have visceral reactions when I see that or when it's like, I mean, not to like make light of stuff. I don't know how not to do that to, other than to deal with it. But like, you know, when it's like, yeah, like you were saying, like, if you're like looking at your phone and it just like happens to be like nine eleven, or even one of my former bandmates birthday is fucking 9-11 so it's like yeah so like my it's my second son's 12th birthday today and I remember 12 years ago when we were scheduling my induction so my doctor was like oh okay well I'm on uh on this day 
uh, on Wednesday and we'll in- do your induction then. And I was like, and it was nine 11. And I was like, um, maybe not for my kid. And then she looked at me for a second and then she goes, Oh yes, of course. And then I get mad because I'm like, well, what the hell do you mean? Of course, you know, but that's when my son. But were you kind of like, oh, you hear me for a minute. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, she understood what I was trying to say and I understood what she was trying to say. But the way she put it was, you know, it wasn't perfect, but hey, we were all learning at the time. So that's why my son was born on 910 and not 9-11. Chris has joined us on the stage. Did you have a question? Hi, everybody. Yeah, thank you for bringing me up. Um, you asked about triggers, and then I did have a question as well. For me, uh, the trigger is anytime you see a rom-com and you see the Twin Towers, uh, it just, it, it just, I don't want to say it's a downer because that makes light of it, but it just casts a pall over everything. And you see those damn Twin Towers in every like rom-com comedy there is from the 90s. Um, so for me, that's my trigger. And then, God, what a dark day that was. Um, my question is, um, so yeah, no, don't see any more like Billy Crystal or Meg Ryan movies or Tom Hanks movies because it will be a downer. But um, but then I had a question, and, and I'm sorry I came to your discussion, your thoughtful con- uh, discussion a little late, so you may have already talked about this. But my big beef uh, is that why do we have to qualify our terrorists if they happen to be Middle Eastern or Muslim? Uh, we always point it out, but we never pointed that out with, uh, with uh, the Unabomber. And it wasn't pointed out with those scumbags who, uh, right, in Oklahoma City and that uh, sick, sick boy who went to Sandy Hook a few years ago. That never comes into the dialogue at all. And I don't know, I don't know why, and I'm not trying to stir the pot, but um, I just kind of wanted to opine, maybe commiserate with y'all and, um, and ask how we, how we start pointing that out. And thank you so much for letting me ask that. You know, Chris, you're, num- you're 100% correct. Like most of the terrorist acts in American soil have been committed by white men. And, and not just recently, like in the past hundred years. I think, you know, my dad was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1911, which was 10 years before the um, brazing of Tulsa, Oklahoma, which was the Black Wall Street. And mm-hmm. that's not the only city that that happened in. It happened in about 20 other cities the same year. But we don't learn that in American history. So I think if we know our history, we can learn from our mistakes. That's where we begin. And then we realize that it's an equal opportunity terrorism. Uh, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's an equal opportunity um, to be a terrorist. And, and most of, you know, most of the time people will project, right? And so they're going to, you know, because in their heart, they're ugly and they know they're terrorists, they have to like pick somebody. So that's why, you know, this decade or these two decades, it's been Muslims. But, you know, in previous decades, right, it was the Japanese, it was the blacks, I guess it's always the blacks, you know, so uh, just knowing our history so that we can learn from it and stop uh, suppressing history, right? Mm-hmm. What I wanted to point out, or, you know, I guess that my thought is, I don't think we learn from history because if we did, then I don't think we would have the Islamophobia that we have now. 
you know, because what we hated Jews in the beginning of the century. And then we were really nice to them. And we decided when we were going to be nice to them, well, we got to find somebody else to hate. So then it was the Japanese people. So it's like, it's always somebody, you know, so I, I'm not convinced that we learn from our mistakes. And in Islam, we believe that humans are called insan in Arabic. Insan is means humans and the root word nasa'a, it's a Semitic language. So it has three letter root words. Nasa'a means to forget. So humankind forgets. And, you know, that's, that's another trigger for me is never forget, you know, 9-11. And I'm like, well, that's the one thing you won't let us forget. But like, look how easily we forgot January 6th. Look how easily we forgot, you know, um, how we obliterated half a million people across the world since then. So, or more, you know, we don't even know the exact numbers there, but I can totally, totally appreciate that. But also why are there not qualifiers what is it, the CVE, Counterviolence and Extremism Committee that was created after 9-11, trying to find these Muslim terrorists, ended up finding out that it was actually the white supremacists on our own soil, but they're not allowed to release that information because Congress won't let them. The reason why other people are not qualified, I think, needs to be questioned, not just in rooms like this, where we are stirring the pot and we do want pot stirrers and we do want good troublemakers is because we're not asking the right people. Remember that, you know, when we were growing up, there's like three news channels, right? That's all we had. And now there's all these other ones that have the opportunity to exercise their agendas or carry out their agendas. And bad Muslims make the news. That's newsworthy. People like Zeba, who are driving her kids around to basketball and teaching people to mediate in interfaith settings, that is so boring. Me being a doctor and homeschooler, that is so boring. Nobody wants to hear about me and what we try to show people is or demonstrate to people by example is no we are the normal muslims L listen taliban isis sharia law these were not words we grew up knowing and we were both born muslim like we did not even know those words until 9-11 happened so you know when people were coming up to us like oh why are there so many muslim terrorists it's like i, I didn't know that there were that was not the truth that i knew but that was the pervasive truth even pre 9-11 guys. So it's not like Islamophobia didn't exist then, but there has been a hundred year media spin that likes to exoticize the Middle East and Islam, but also likes to vilify it at the same time. I, I you know, if it's useful to me, I'm going to uh, adulterate it. I'm going to utilize it, but where it doesn't serve me, I'm going to put it on the outskirts. The, the, the one thing is I always try to say, try to look when you know better, you can do better. And in educating and informing and continuing to do have these types of conversations, like everybody that has come up on the stage has said, is the way we're going to keep chipping away at this, regardless of what the issue ultimately ends up being. So I, I want to end this um, with more of that positive spin, because I, as a mother of the next generation, as a lot of us in the audience are, are fathers or parents, I am extremely excited to see what they're going to do and what changes they're going to make for the world because quite frankly we've given them a basket full of you know what because I don't like to curse so I'll let other people do that for me and 
I think they're going to do amazingly with it. So I am extremely hopeful and excited for what they are going to do. To the, and the only thing I can do is help lay the foundation to help make that transition to the next generation just a little bit easier. So what I'm going to ask everybody on the panel here um, today is kind of please tell us where else we can find you because quite frankly, everybody has said so many amazing things. And Uzma, could you let our audience know um, what we're going to be bringing to the table here on Fireside? Because I have to say, I love this platform, love that I get to meet all of y'all. And I love that we're doing the work that we're doing. And thank you guys so much for joining us on this amazing, amazing day, because I'm going to choose to have September 10th and September 11th have a positive um, feeling for me, because that's what it's going to be. And um, thank you guys for joining so we get a lot of requests from Muslim authors to come and speak. And so if we did that, our podcast would be nothing but about books. So we are bringing our book club on here where we're going to go through some of this literature. And then after having like discussions with our audience about those books, then we're going to hopefully we will be reaching out to all of the authors to come and also speak and introduce themselves. And we hope that for those people who have never read this literature, this is going to be a great opportunity to learn from other Muslim people. Like these are the kinds of books that we want to share with our children. And we would want to share with our collective children. These are the books that belong in our classroom libraries, in our school libraries. And then on our podcast in particular, we only really bring Muslim moms on or Muslim women on. And so this is our place to talk to excellent people like Shah Jahan who are doing extraordinary things. And Muslim men have their own baggage and they, some of them are very visibly Muslim and they have their very very unique experiences to share. And so this is a great place for us to talk to them and get kind of the male perspective and maybe the fathering um, perspective of this is the kind of extra stuff that Muslim fathers have to deal with, especially uh, living in America. So we're really, really grateful, Shah Jahan, that you came. So we hope that we see you again on here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, uh, you can find uh, my show anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's called King of the World. Otherwise, you can find me on all of all of the things if you just do the little at symbol and then my name like S-H-A-H-J and then Istan. So S-H-A-H-J and then I-S like Sam, T-A-N like Nancy, Shah Jistan like Pakistan. Thanks so much. And then I guess he's starting his rock band tour. So um, you didn't mention your rock band tours, but we will find um, if you go to his profile, you can find out where he's going next. Totally. Yeah. And also, I, I'm sure you can also find out. I, I'm also in a couple of different bands and stuff that I could talk all day, but Shah Jahan Khan, my last name, Khan.com, K-H-A-N. Thanks so much for that. Cordelia, did you have any parting thoughts before we close the room? Yeah, this has been a great discussion. Um, I invite you to connect with me at my website, cordeliagumbar.com. I have a virtual retreat coming up called Being Present with Your Power. And that just helps you to tune in to your self-awareness like we've been talking about today. And that will help you to be part of the solution. And, and also listen to my collaborative uh, podcast, Unlearning Labels. And that's on Apple Podcasts and all the places you can hear podcasts. And I just thank you for this platform. And I really appreciate the work that you and Zabar are doing this class. So thank you. Thanks for that. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody in the audience who either observed, listened, and definitely to everybody who came up on stage and participated. We appreciate all of you and we wish everybody a very safe tomorrow and a non-traumatic tomorrow and every day after that. Thank you so much, folks. Have a great rest of your day.
from us, assalamu alaikum, which means peace be upon you.